Section 32. The Poor Man's Lawyer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Hirsch. The moment you set about dealing with the wants of the people, you discover that many of their difficulties are not material, but moral. There never was a greater mistake than to imagine that you have only to fill a man's stomach and clothe his back in order to secure his happiness. Man is much more than a digestive apparatus liable to get out of order. Hence, while it is important to remember that man has a stomach, it is also necessary to bear in mind that he has a heart and a mind that is frequently sorely troubled by difficulties which if he lived in a friendly world would often disappear a man and still more a woman stands often quite as much in need of a trusted adviser as he or she does of a dinner or a dress many a poor soul is miserable all the day long and gets dragged down deeper and deeper into the depths of sin and sorrow and despair for want of a sympathizing friend who can give her advice and make her feel that somebody in the world cares for her and will help her if they can if we are to bring back the sense of brotherhood to the world we must confront this difficulty god it was said in old time setteth the desolate in families but somehow in our time the desolate wander alone in the midst of a careless and unsympathizing world there is no one who cares for my soul there is no creature loves me and if i die no one will pity me is surely one of the bitterest cries that can burst from a breaking heart one of the secrets of the success of the Salvation Army is that the friendless of the world find friends in it. There is not one sinner in the world, no matter how degraded and dirty he may be, whom my people will not rejoice to take by the hand and pray with and labor for, if thereby they can but snatch him as a brand from the burning. Now we want to make more use of this to make the Salvation Army the nucleus of a great agency for bringing comfort and counsel to those who are at their wits' end, feeling as if in the whole world there was no one to whom they could go. What we want to do is to exemplify to the world the family idea. Our Father is the keynote. One is our Father, then all we are brethren. But in a family, if anyone is troubled in mind or conscience, there is no difficulty. The daughter goes to her father, or the son to his mother, and pour out their soul's trouble and are relieved. If there is any serious difficulty, a family council is held, and all unite their will and their resources to get matters put straight. This is what we mean to try to get done in the new organization of society for which we are laboring. We cannot know better than God Almighty what will do good to man. We are content to follow on his lines and to mend the world. We shall seek to restore something of the family idea to the many hundreds of thousands 
ay, millions, who have no one wiser or more experienced than themselves to whom they can take their sorrows or consult in their difficulties. Of course, we can do this but imperfectly. Only God can create a mother. But society needs a great deal of mothering, much more than it gets. And as a child needs a mother to run to in its difficulties and troubles, to whom it can let out its little heart in confidence, so men and women, weary and worn in the battles of life, need someone to whom they can go when pressed down with a sense of wrongs suffered or done, knowing that their confidence will be preserved inviolate, and that their statements will be received with sympathy. I propose to attempt to meet this want. I shall establish a department over which I shall place the wisest, the pitifulest, and the most sagacious men and women whom I can find on my staff, to whom all those in trouble and perplexity shall be invited to address themselves. It is no use saying that we love our fellow men unless we try to help them. And it is no use pretending to sympathize with the heavy burdens which darken their lives unless we try to ease them and to lighten their existence. Insomuch as we have more practical experience of life than other men, by so much are we bound to help their inexperience and share our talents with them. But if we believe they are our brothers, and that one is our Father, even the God who will come to judge us hereafter for all the deeds that we have done in the body, then must we constitute in some such imperfect way as is open to us the parental office. We must be willing to receive the outpourings of our struggling fellow men, to listen to the long-buried secret that has troubled the human heart, and to welcome instead of repelling, those who would obey the apostolic precept to confess their sins one to another. Let not that word confession scandalize any. Confession of the most open sort, confession on the public platform before the presence of all the man's former associates in sin, has long been one of the most potent weapons by which the Salvation Army has won its victories. That confession we have long imposed on all our converts, and it is the only confession which seems to us to be a condition of salvation. But this suggestion is of a different kind. It is not imposed as a means of grace. It is not put forward as a preliminary to the absolution which no one can pronounce but our Lord himself. It is merely a response on our part to one of the deepest needs and secret longings of the actual men and women who are meeting us daily in our work. Why should they be left to brood in misery over their secret sin, when a plain, straightforward talk with a man or woman selected for his or her sympathetic common sense and spiritual experience might take the weight off their shoulders which is crushing them into dull despair. Not for absolution, but for sympathy and direction, 
do I propose to establish my advice bureau in definite form, for in practice it has been in existence for some time, and wonderful things have been done in the direction on which I contemplate it working. I have no pleasure in inventing these departments. They all entail hard work and no end of anxiety. But if we are to represent the love of God to men, we must minister to all the wants and needs of the human heart. Nor is it only in affairs of the heart that this advice bureau will be of service. It will be quite as useful in affairs of the head. As I conceive it, the advice bureau will be the poor man's lawyer and the poor man's tribune. There are no means in London, so far as my knowledge goes, by which the poor and needy can obtain any legal assistance in the varied oppressions and difficulties from which they must, in consequence of their poverty and associations, be continually suffering. While the well-to-do classes can fall back upon skillful friends for direction, or avail themselves of the learning and experience of the legal profession, the poor man has literally no one qualified to counsel him on such matters. In cases of sickness, he can apply to the parish doctor or the great hospital, and receive an odd word or two of advice with a bottle of physic which may or may not be of service. But if his circumstances are sick, out of order, in danger of carrying him to utter destitution, or to prison, or to the Union, he has no one to appeal to who has the willingness or the ability to help him. Now we want to create a court of counsel or appeal, to which anyone suffering from imposition having to do with person, liberty, or property, or anything else of sufficient importance, can apply, and obtain not only advice, but practical experience. Among others for whom this court would be devised is the shamefully neglected class of widows, of whom in the east of London there are six thousand, mostly in very destitute circumstances. In the whole of London there cannot be less than twenty thousand, and in England and Wales it is estimated there are one hundred thousand, 50,000 of whom are probably poor and friendless. The treatment of these poor people by the nation is a crying scandal. Take the case of the average widow, even when left in comfortable circumstances. She will often be launched into a sea of perplexity, although able to avail herself of the best advice. But think of the multitudes of poor women who, when they close their husband's eyes, lose the only friend who knows anything about their circumstances. There may be a trifle of money or a struggling business or a little income connected with property or some other possession, all needing immediate attention, and that of a skillful sort in order to enable the poor creature to weather the storm and avoid the vortex of utter destitution. All we have said applies equally to orphans and friendless people generally. 
nothing however short of a national institution could meet the necessities of all such cases but we can do something and in matters already referred to such as involve loss of property malicious prosecution criminal and otherwise we can render substantial assistance in carrying out this purpose it will be no part of our plan to encourage legal proceedings in others or to have recourse to them ourselves all resort to law would be avoided either in counsel or practice unless absolutely necessary but where manifest injustice and wrong are perpetrated and every other method of obtaining reparation fails we shall avail ourselves of the assistance the law affords our great hope of usefulness however in this department lies in prevention the knowledge that the oppressed poor have in us a friend able to speak for them will often prevent the injustice which cowardly and avaricious persons might otherwise inflict and the same considerations may induce them to accord without compulsion the right of the weak and friendless i also calculate upon a wide sphere of usefulness in the direction of friendly arbitration and intervention there will be at least one disinterested tribunal however humble to which business domestic or any other questions of a contentious and litigious nature can be referred without involving any serious costs the following incidents have been gathered from operations already undertaken in this direction and will explain and illustrate the kind of work we contemplate and some of the benefits that may be expected to follow from it about four years ago a young and delicate girl the daughter of a pilot came to us in great distress her story was that of thousands of others she had been betrayed by a man in a good position in the west end and was now the mother of an infant child just before her confinement her seducer had taken her to his solicitors and made her sign and swear an affidavit to the effect that he was not the father of the then expected child upon this he gave her a few pounds in settlement of all claims upon him the poor thing was in great poverty and distress through our solicitors we immediately opened communications with the man and after negotiations he to avoid further proceedings was compelled to secure by a deed a proper allowance to his unfortunate victim for the maintenance of her child shadowed and caught a was induced to leave a comfortable home to become the governess of the motherless children of mr g whom she found to be a kind and considerate employer after she had been in his service some little time he proposed that she should take a trip to london to this she very gladly consented all the more so when he offered to take her himself to a good appointment he had secured for her in london he seduced her and kept her as his mistress until tired of her he told her to go and do as other women did 
Instead of descending to this infamy, she procured work, and so supported herself and child in some degree of comfort, when he sought her out and again dragged her down. Another child was born, and a second time he threw her up and left her to starve. It was then she applied to our people. We hunted up the man, followed him to the country, threatened him with public exposure, and forced from him the payment to his victim of sixty pounds down, an allowance of one pound a week, and an insurance policy on his life for four hundred fifty pounds in her favor. Sixty pounds from Italy. C. was seduced by a young Italian of good position in society, who promised to marry her, but a short time before the day fixed for the ceremony, he told her urgent business called him abroad. He assured her he would return in two years and make her his wife. He wrote occasionally, and at last broke her heart by sending the news of his marriage to another, adding insult to injury by suggesting that she should come and live with his wife as her maid, offering, at the same time, to pay for the maintenance of the child till it was old enough to be placed in charge of the captain of one of the vessels belonging to his firm. None of these promises were fulfilled, and C., with her mother's assistance, for a time managed to support herself and child. But the mother, worn out by age and trouble, could help her no longer, and the poor girl was driven to despair. Her case was brought before us, and we at once set to work to assist her. The council of the town where the seducer lived in style was communicated with. Approaches were made to the young man's father, who, to save the dishonor that would follow exposure, paid over sixty pounds. This helps to maintain the child, and the girl is in domestic service and doing well. The Higher System the most cruel wrongs are frequently inflicted on the very poorest persons in connection with this method of obtaining furniture, sewing machines, mangles, or other articles. Caught by the lure of misleading advertisements, the poor are induced to purchase articles to be paid for by weekly or monthly installments. They struggle through half the amount, perhaps, at all manner of sacrifice. When some delay in the payment is made the occasion not only for seizing the goods, which they have come to regard as their own, and on which their very existence depends, but by availing themselves of some technical clause in the agreement for robbing them in addition. In such circumstances the poor things, being utterly friendless, have to submit to these infamous extortions without remedy. Our Bureau will be open to all such. Tallymen, Moneylenders, and Bills of Salemongers Here again we have a class who prey upon the poverty of the people, inducing them to purchase things for which they have often no immediate use, anyway for which there is no real necessity by all manner of specious promises as to easy terms of repayment, 
and once having got their dupes into their power, they drag them down to misery, and very often utter temporal ruin. Once in their net, escape is exceedingly difficult, if not impossible. We propose to help the poor victims by this scheme as far as possible. Our Bureau, we expect, will be of immense service to clergymen ministers of all denominations, district visitors, missionaries, and others who freely mix among the poor, seeing that they must be frequently appealed to for legal advice, which they are quite unable to give, and equally at a loss to obtain. We shall always be very glad to assist such. THE DEFENSE OF UNDEFENDED PERSONS The conviction is gradually fixing itself upon the public mind that a not inconsiderable number of innocent persons are, from time to time, convicted of crimes and offenses, the reason for which often is the mere inability to secure an efficient defense. Although there are several societies in London and the country dealing with the criminal classes, and more particularly with discharged prisoners, yet there does not appear to be one for the purpose of assisting unconvicted prisoners. This work we propose boldly to take up. By this and many other ways we shall help those charged with criminal offenses, who, on a most careful inquiry, might reasonably be supposed to be innocent, but who, through want of means, are unable to obtain the legal assistance and produce the evidence necessary for an efficient defense. We shall not pretend authoritatively to judge as to who is innocent or who is guilty, but if after full explanation and inquiry the person charged may reasonably be supposed to be innocent, and is not in a position to defend himself, then we should feel free to advise such a case, hoping thereby to save such person and his family and friends from much misery, and possibly from utter ruin. Mr. Justice Field recently remarked, For a man to assist another man who was under a criminal charge was a highly laudable and praiseworthy act. If a man was without friends, and an Englishman came forward and legitimately, and for the purpose of honestly assisting him with means to put before the court his case, that was a highly laudable and praiseworthy act, and he should be the last man in the country to complain of any man for so doing. These remarks are endorsed by most judges and magistrates, and our Advice Bureau will give practical effect to them. In every case, an attempt will be made to secure not only the outward reformation, but the actual regeneration of all whom we assist. Special attention, as has been described under the Criminal Reform Department, will be paid to first offenders. We shall endeavor also to assist, as far as we have the ability, the wives and children of persons who are undergoing sentences by endeavoring to obtain for them employment 
or otherwise rendering them help. Hundreds of this class fall into the deepest distress and demoralization through want of friendly aid in the forlorn circumstances in which they find themselves on the conviction of relatives on whom they have been dependent for a livelihood or for protection and direction in the ordinary affairs of life. This department will also be responsible for gathering intelligence, spreading information, and the general prosecution of such measures as are likely to lead to the much-needed beneficial changes in our prison management. In short, it will seek to become the true friend and savior of the criminal classes in general, and in doing so we shall desire to act in harmony with the societies at present in existence who may be seeking for objects kindred to the Advice Bureau. We pen the following list to give some idea of the topics on which the Advice Bureau may be consulted. Claim for accidents, administration of estates, adulteration of food and drugs, questions of agency, disputed agreements, affiliation cases, cruelty to animals, wrongful arrest, assault, bankruptcies, bills of exchange, bills of sale, forfeited bonds, breach of promise, cruelty to children, custody of children, compensation for injuries, compensation for accident, compensation for defamation, compensation for loss of employment, etc., confiscation by landlords, breach of contracts, infringement of copyright, county court cases, debts, illegal distress, divorce, ejectment cases, employer's liability act, duties of executors, breach of factory act, attempted fraud, sale of goodwill, forfeited guarantee, heir at law, disputes of husbands and wives, false imprisonment, Custody of infants, cases of intestacy, judgment summonses, landlord and tenant cases, lapses and renewals of leases, disputed legacies, libel cases, licenses, questions of the marriage law, masters and servants acts, right of public meeting, mortgages, alleged negligence, next of kill wanted, alleged nuisances, the law of partnership, registration and infringement of patents, pawnbrokers and their pledges, police cases, probate, rates and taxes, reversionary interests, cases of seduction, Servants' wrongful dismissal. Sheriffs. Sureties as treated. Disputed tenancies. Infringement of trademarks. Cases of trespass. 
trustees, and trusts. Wages kept back. Disputed and unproved wills. Cruelty to women. Grievances of workmen, etc. The Advice Bureau will therefore be, first of all, a place where men and women in trouble can come when they please to communicate in confidence the cause of their anxiety, with a certainty that they will receive a sympathetic hearing and the best advice. Secondly, it will be a poor man's lawyer, giving the best legal counsel as to the course to be pursued in the various circumstances with which the poor find themselves confronted. Thirdly, it will act as a poor man's tribune, and will undertake the defense of friendless prisoners supposed to be innocent, together with the resistance of illegal extortions, and the prosecution of offenders who refuse legal satisfaction for the wrongs they have committed. Fourthly, it will act wherever it is called upon as a court of arbitration between litigants where the decision will be according to equity and the costs cut down to the lowest possible figure. Such a department cannot be improvised, but it is already in a fair way of development, and it can hardly fail to do a great good. End of section 32 Recording by Tom Hirsch